2: Yes, sir. I'm back, baby. Got the all eyes on Cleveland podcast. Welcome. Welcome. It is here. The very first episode I'm excited to bring to you tonight with a very, very exciting guest, rising star. Uh, He was the first call on my list when I came to call somebody to do this show, and uh, I cannot wait to get into it tonight with the one and only Garrett Bush of 92.3, the fan. This is, though, the inaugural episode of All Eyes on Cleveland podcast. You start getting excited. And there we have it. Yes, sir. We are on and live in the very first episode of All Eyes on Cleveland. Which you can check out all uh, show news and where all the episodes will be posted at alleyesoncleveland.com. dot uh, com. Got the website up uh, and uh, a little under construction, but will be. Uh, you can go there now, and the show will be there after tonight's show. You can also catch uh, the show where all popular podcasts are found. If you get it from SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, it'll be there for sure. And, of course, it'll be published tomorrow morning um, at the Browns Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. Thanks to Jeff Risden for that. He's always down to post my stuff there. So, big shout-out to him, and I appreciate that. This show, I've spent the last two years doing uh, a podcast weekly. We did some 90 shows, myself and Scott Dryden, on the Brown Scout podcast. It was a show I was proud of, uh, probably the best podcast I've been a part of. And produced. So um, I had a lot of fun with that. Scott had to step back for reasons uh, of his own volition and to each his own. So, you know, I uh, thank him for his time and that opportunity. It was great, but uh, it also presents an opportunity for myself uh, to bring in uh, people that I want to be on the air with and discuss. Uh, the pressing issues facing our favorite uh, sports teams here in Cleveland So the uh, influential and most intriguing personalities in the Cleveland sports landscape Is what I hope to bring to you on this podcast um, And uh, with that I will turn to tonight's guest Who I'm extremely excited to bring on uh, A uh, Been on one of my podcasts before uh, he has been uh, uh, gracious enough to have me on his show a couple times. Uh, I call him a friend, and uh, it was like I said before, it was my first call when I got the opportunity to get this show going again. He is Garrett Bush, uh, host of The Shop every Saturday, 8 to 12 on 92.3 The Fan. Garrett, how are we this evening?
0: Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, listen, I don't just want to shout you out, man um you, you out here doing big things man you on hey. you on the usa today feed man it's been a long time you've been doing you've been doing big things out here man i see you
2: thank you i appreciate that it's just you know grinding man we grind it so it's what we do so uh, just uh, stay on the grind with this thing uh so i am excited uh garrett uh to have you on we have not talked uh, sports in a hot minute and and i've been listening to your show which is you know, outstanding as always, and uh big
0: shout to you for that as well. Salute, so, man. Salute. I appreciate that, man. Definitely appreciate it. Barber
2: barbershop. Get myself lined up tonight. Got a couple chairs open. Ah, <laughs> right? like got some a couple chairs, chairs open.
0: A couple Brad, chairs Brad open. was uh, so, so eloquently gracious enough to open up his house to, you know, it was a couple cuts that we needed to do. A couple <laughs> people came through, so we're we going to get it done, man.
2: That sounds good. It's the barbershop basement style. Gorilla yes. style, we'll do it.
0: <laughs> yes. That's the old listen, that's where we learn to cut our hair, man. Yes. You always everybody know out there that you was you was a kid at one point in time and you didn't, you know, I had uncles who owned barbershops, but you know, they my uncles and cousins was cutting hair in the basement. That's where they learned their game. So that's where you get some of the best haircuts at in the basement sometimes. Then it's at a discount too.
2: That's yeah, the truth. It's the truth. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've had my hair cut in a few basements myself, so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, hey, could save a couple bucks, man, that's what you gotta do, you know, and uh, gotcha. so, uh, so there it is, but, uh, let, so let's get into this tonight, so Super Bowl 54, uh, did you watch the entirety of the game, Garrett? Uh,
0: I did not see the entirety of the game, um, oh. I'm actually right now. Shooting the documentary, so I was uh, in a restaurant um, doing like a, a couple scenes for this documentary, and I didn't get a chance to actually. I was in Canton shooting this documentary, and I didn't get chance get a chance to watch it until probably the fourth quarter. Um, I listened to it on the radio all the way from Canton to Cleveland. But I got home just for that epic fourth quarter. So, yeah, definitely. I did. I caught the most important parts.
2: Yes, you did. Definitely did not. You got the most important part of the game. So the documentary, tell me about the documentary. Tell me about it.
0: Oh, listen, man. So so I'm shooting a documentary. It's, it's pretty much um, a documentary uh, based on um, this idea I have. I'm, I'm in the process of, of coming up with a, a, a sort of uh, game show, almost a game show. Okay. And it's almost it's based around music. And I'm actually having an opportunity to shoot it with my brother. So um, my brothers aren't really in the industry, but um, we're working on trying to shoot this. Uh, it's kind of it's based on music. A, it has like a top five con- um, concept. So um, I'm working on that. And I'm also working on a documentary um, for Maslin McKinley. It talks about the rivalry and it pretty much it, it gives, uh, the, the I guess, the. Um, It gives like the, you know, history of McKinley and it's going to start detailing, I believe, in 1996 all the way up into, uh, I think, the mid 2000s. So I'm I'm working on two different things, two different projects. So if you happen to see me walking around with some camera crews, um, you know, it's cool. Y'all can still say what's up. But, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now.
2: That's that's fantastic stuff, man! Congratulations on that. To give you a round of applause for that show, that is awesome. And uh, you want to plug where we can check that out, or is that to be to be determined?
0: It'll it'll be to be determined. The way reality the shoots work is where we will probably have to shoot for a four to six month period to just you know get all the footage together. They'll do some editing and then they'll probably drop it. Um, maybe ten or twelve episodes of this this reality show. Um, and it'll drop right before we start doing the game show. So uh, the game show and all that information will be on YouTube. Um, I will post it on my YouTube channel. You can check out um, G Bush, uh, G Bush 9501 on, uh, on YouTube. So and you can just search the barbershop and Garrett Bush and it'll come up uh, on, or 92.3 to fan Garrett Bush on, on YouTube. So go ahead and check that out. And, and I'll be also linking that uh, on my Twitter page at G Bush 91 uh, on Twitter and then uh, definitely on the barbershop page on uh, on uh, Facebook.
2: Very good. Thank you for uh, getting that stuff out. That's awesome. And good on you, man. That's some that's some different stuff. So uh, good work uh, on that. That's awesome. Um, let's uh, talk real quick here about the game, sir. So I don't know. You, you know, you saw the fourth quarter. You know, uh, basically it comes down to this, right? Uh, did. Did the 49ers blow it, or did the Chiefs win it,
0: G-Bush? You know, you know, I had an opportunity um, to watch that fourth quarter, and then, of course, I watched the aftermath of, you know, people talking about whether or not they, uh, you know, the, the 49ers kind of blew it again with Kyle Shanahan, yeah. um, or or did Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Andy Reid just just win the thing? And I think it was so funny. You know, the, the crazy part about it is every time I watch football, I'm always thinking it in terms of the Browns. You you know it's bad when everything – every different storyline or or, uh, things that I see in the playoffs or the Super Bowl is about the Browns and how they would react in that situation and what can we do to get them there. And with that being said, I think it really boiled down to two things. Um, A, uh, Andy Reid and uh, his ability to have his team never feel like they're down. I mean, they were down in the Titans down against the uh uh they came back against the Titans in, in miraculous fashion uh you know in the AFC championship the game they came that um from that as well and then they came back against the uh the Texans I thought they were done against the Texans yeah so one of the things that that you see uh, along with Andy Reid giving his team that that sort of swag that you know it, the game's never over one of the things I think that that really came down to is you know, they got Patrick Mahomes and the 49ers didn't. You know, Patrick Mahomes is one of those quarterbacks where, you know, we've seen it time and time again. It doesn't really matter if you're down 10 or 17. Uh, when when you looked at it and the 49ers were down 10 points, I said, when they got that ball back after Patrick Mahomes threw that interception, I said, if they don't take some time off this clock, it is he's going to get this ball and it's going to be a long day. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't score. They didn't run the football like they were supposed to. Um, but Patrick Mahomes just shows you what special quarterbacks do. They can play terrible for three quarters. They can yeah. play terrible for three and a half quarters. But, you know, that play, he made 44-yard uh, bomb. He he looked like he was escaping the rush. He He showed you that he was more elusive, more athletic than we thought. And it just shows you that, you know, when you got an elite quarterback, man, there's nothing you can do about it. those guys who make some plays, and you got to beat them, beat them, beat them. Not just lucking at something. And I think Patrick Mahomes was just obviously the difference.
2: Yeah, he is a difference maker. He is so special. And uh, and Andy Reid, you know they, you know they're, uh San Francisco plays that you know the Seattle press bail, you know as which is becoming you know. Uh, kind of cookie cutter around the NFL, you know, multiple teams playing it now, you know, from Sala, bringing it over from Seattle. But, you know, he attacked the rules of that scheme, on, you know, on the that deep ball and on other plays. And that's just what they do really well. And and Mahomes understand it. And, and you know, the thing about the playoff run, G. Bush, was it wasn't just – him being great athletically and arm talent, which he's been all along, it's like it like clicked for him. Like, you know, he wasn't just escaping the pocket to to get to get free and run. He was escaping the pocket and, and then floating around to manipulate zone defenses mm-hmm. and he's escaping the pocket when they're man to man and he and he recognized it and turned Yo, his feet that up. was
0: yeah. I know you was watching the game, man. I know you was watching because that analysis you just said about, you know, whether or not – there was times in the Texans game where they would show uh, man-to-man coverage and he would be fooled a little bit at pre-snap. But he knew immediately once they snap he was in the wrong place. So he would just scramble. Like yeah. he'd just take off yeah. and get the yeah. first down. Yeah.
2: He, he's, he's just getting it. He's just getting it. And, then you know, they were talking about after the game how he asked to run that play to hill uh on the third and 15 you know it's just the fact that he you know understands those concepts and he's picking it up and and uh him and andy Reid together is very very dangerous and and very daunting for the afc um so here's my next question and so shanahan i I, you know it's easy to judge but you know you go back and he's he's a good coach, really good coach, obviously. But and he should have ran the ball more, certainly, especially after Moster ran for five yards on that one first down. I think when it was they were only up three, Yep. And, and he went to went to the pass, and uh, but Jimmy G is just as much at fault. Garoppolo is, in my opinion. I mean, he missed Kittle twice. Uh, on wide open plays and then and Chris Jones is a monster and he got his hand on a couple of balls in there. You know, it's just about um I hear Chris Sims say it all the time, and I and I love watching his breakdowns, but he says it does the money perform, is the money performing, right? And I love that, right? Is the money performing? And for for the Niners, the money's all on that defensive line. And if you right. would have told me that you could have that defensive line and a ten point lead in the fourth quarter on third and fifty. I mean, that's what they're there for, right? That's 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 what you're there for is to have a ten point lead in the first fourth quarter. You got to throw the ball, and they're gonna come get the quarterback like they're beasts. There's four, five first round picks up there, right? That's where the money is, and they didn't perform. And and the money on, on KC's side of the ball is in the offense and Holmes and Hill. And, uh, Kelsey, and they performed, and and so, and that's, that's, that's just about it right there. It's tough on Shanahan. You know, he, you know, Garoppolo missed Kittle a couple times. It's hard to blame him, in in my opinion. He should have ran the ball a couple times more. I don't know what he was doing at the end of the first half. I don't know if you saw that either. Kind of butchered that a little bit. Um, but Mahomes does that to you. he's he makes you scared. You don't want to give him back the ball. You don't want to give him back the ball, right? I, and, I that's think, how, and that's what was going through his head, I think.
0: I, I think one of the things that um, that was so devastating is that when you got a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and I try to tell this is why I'm so difficult uh, sometimes on Baker Mayfield is because when you look at these games and when you look at you know the playoff teams, you see what kind of football you have to pay or have to play oh. uh, to win these these games. Oh. And you're talking about, you know, whether or not you're hitting receivers, or you're not hitting receivers. The the margin for error is very slim. If you want to win championships at that high level. And you can look at it from what, what, you know, the game, what, the way the game turned out uh, on one side, you had Jimmy Garoppolo missing guys wide open. And on the other side, you have Patrick Mahomes, who's, Every single time he's getting his hand on, so on the football, he's he's extending on the plays. He's looking at outfield. He's he's hitting the plays that he has to make the gimmies. And that's the difference between winning and not winning, especially when you're playing at that high of level in the Super Bowl. And I always think of it from a perspective of saying, yeah, you can win and get to the Super Bowl by running the football if that's what you're going to hang your hat on to, right? Mm-hmm. But even the games that the Giants back in the day when they were underdogs and and they won that game against, you know, the Patriots, even the Giants needed Eli Manning to make plays with his arm. And it you can you can stop the run by just putting enough people in the box. No but one thing that you can't stop. Is if you got a quarterback and he's putting the ball on the money, and I think you saw the difference in level of skill level, uh, the composure, the arm strength, the just overall talent between Garoppolo and and in uh, Patrick Mahomes. So it's like you said, it looks like you know a lot. You know, Mahomes had opportunity to keep running some of these off because it's a perfect storm. Roethlisberger uh, is coming back from injury. We don't know what he's going to look like. Uh, you. Look at the situation with Andrew Luck retiring. Tom Brady doesn't look like Tom Brady anymore. So now you got a situation where, hey, hey, look, Pat Mahomes is out here controlling the chess pieces on that board. And so I think if you want to win in the AFC, you're going to have to stockpile the defense. You're going to have to get you two elite defensive ends. You're going to have to get linebackers that can run and cover. And at minimum, you have to have two to three corners, bar none. Yeah. You got to have three corners or yeah. you're not going to win. It's not going to happen.
2: Yeah. And hey, I mean, seriously, you know, you said it. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, year two, dude wins the Super Bowl. Year one, he wins the MVP. I mean, if he, run, like you said, if he goes back, he's not going to feel pressure in those moments. Everybody else is going to be under pressure. He already did it year two. I mean, like that is the stuff that, like Brady did, you know, young in his career. And and you know that is the kind of thing that that mentality that you 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 know you have from just accomplishing that at such a young age is the kind of thing that dynasties are made of. I don't want to say that word dynasty, but like it's scary. It, it, like what they could accomplish is scary. You know Andy Reid is and hanging him up with with a uh, Patrick Mahomes, so you know. Uh, they, they're going to be around for a while. They, they will be there for a while. And, and and that kind of brings me to my next topic a little bit here. So you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland podcast, the inaugural edition with the very, very talented Garrett Bush at GBush91 on Twitter, at GBush9501 at YouTube, a host of The Barbershop at 92.3 The Fan. We're doing a big here uh, tonight, first uh episode of all eyes on cleveland so you kind of you kind of uh led me to my next topic which is going to be the afc north along with mahomes in the afc so if we look around the afc north here real quick and then we'll kind of zero in on the browns but just to kind of uh the big taking a big picture nfl type look at the afc north lamar jackson mvp Ben Roethlisberger, and guess what? The Bengals are going to have Joe Burrow, first overall pick. AFC North is going to be loaded, stacked, with quarterbacks.
0: Oh, yeah, listen. It, it's ridiculous. Um, you, you have the MVP coming back, uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is proving he's no slouch, whatever team he got. Because, you know, you can look at it from a perspective of saying, hey, the— the Steelers split with the Browns,
2: yeah,
0: and didn't have Roethlisberger, yeah, right. You know that means Juju Smith Schuster is going to look like Juju Smith Schuster next year. That means James Conner's runs going to be more effective because you got to you got to respect what Big Ben does downfield. Um, Washington James Washington looked like he he got a lot of playing time and, and being that number one receiver since Juju was out, he has more experience. So and, and you know with the Steelers defense with with T J Watt. Uh, I thought Devin Bush had a crazy uh, uh, first rookie season. Minka Fitzpatrick, you know how he came over with all the interceptions. So, you know, the Steelers is the Steelers. You know, the Steelers are going to do what the Steelers do. And we've the, the Steelers have shown that, listen, if Big Ben is still available, they'll, they'll make another star out of somebody. Somebody else will be a star, right? Um, and then you go to, uh, obviously, Baltimore. And, and Baltimore, I, I look at it, they're dangerous because – you, you have to look at the progression that lamar um jackson is, is running and pulling off here so one of the things that i'm looking at is you know if they can get a guy like a a home run threat in in the backfield somebody like uh jk dobbins mm-hmm. and somebody that can hit home runs that can run to augment that they can go back and get another receiver they already got hollywood brown out there maybe a big body receiver they got a hundred tight ends. Mark Andrews is looking like he's going to be a top 5 uh tight end in this league next year. He's trending in that way. Uh they got a bunch of they got the best offensive line in in the uh AFC North. And so right now, you know, they they got a couple areas of need at a middle linebacker. I think they kind of um were exposed a little bit of that um when you look at the games and you look at what the Titans were able to do running the football. Right. But you know they got they they look like they're well on their way to consistently being the Ravens and the Bengals. You know I I you know Joe Burrow is one of the most impressive quarterbacks I've seen coming out in in a long time. I know Andrew Luck and a lot of guys get you know a lot of uh praise and, and you know a lot of guys think that Joe Burrow is going to be good, but they don't really want to annoy him now. But I'm gonna be honest with you, man. The the Bengals have ball players. They ain't they're not. They, you know, A.J. Green missed all of last year. Yeah. Uh, you look at uh, Gio Bernard, you look at uh, Mixon, he's still in the backfield. He's he's consistently over 1,200 yards every single year. The, the uh, tackle that they got coming back um, yeah. from injury last year, he'll be back. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, um, you look at um, um, uh, Boyd. Boyd. He looks like beast. he's been getting he a lot a of running tips. T- yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So, you know, this this the division is going to be loaded. So the Browns, you know, they had an opportunity to do something this year when they caught some people down. And that's why I was so upset about the situation because they actually were set up to make some huge strides in 2019 and it just didn't get done.
2: Yeah, you said it, man. And, and that, that window, at least, of the, those teams falling off is gone because you're going to see that cycle turn up. With a quarterback like Joe Burrow, obviously the arrow's pointed up with Jackson already, and uh, in the Steelers are the Steelers until Roethlisberger hangs him up. So um, you're you're right on, and and that's going nowhere. So let's talk about our brownies here uh, tonight. Uh, Let's get into some of the the nitty-gritty and some of the nonsense here. So let's go back. January 2nd, Jimmy Haslam, Garrett uh, G. Bush, he uh, takes his place— in front of the Cleveland media in Berea, and uh, does his spiel, uh, his biannual spiel or sometimes annual spiel about the coaching search, uh, announces his search uh, committee, uh, and you know D. Podesta, J. W. Johnson, Jimmy Haslam, and a capologist, <laughs> and uh, and they and they go to work. Um, after firing John Dorsey, uh, so Dorsey's out, they go to work, uh, it, it's felt like a deep Podesta, uh, thing the whole time, um, and then, and I was hoping and, and praying and banging the table for Josh McDaniels, and I was hoping that's why they got rid of Dorsey to make way for his guy, because of course that's the only way he would take the job, and, and no, so... Uh, you know, he came in and recommended sweeping changes and, and, uh, of course that wasn't going to work because here's my problem. And this gets me upset and you might've heard it in my voice there a little bit, but it get, it bothered me and it's been bothering me. Gee, Bush, how I'll do you have, me. how do you have a search committee, right? With the guy whose job potentially hangs in the balance. If you chose not to go that organizational direction, Weren't they supposed to go hire the coach first and then align around him, not align around Dee Podesta? Because what happens is, what if McDaniels comes in and blows you away, and his sweeping changes are amazing, and Jimmy Haslam wants to do it? The guy who is going to get fired as a result of you making that move is in the fucking room! He's right there! Dee Podesta is in the room with you! How, how is he going to go with anything but what he wants? How is he going to let anything else happen but what he what he wants? He's on the committee. There was no search. What a farce. It was a goddamn farce, G. Bush. I'm no. telling you, man. It was a farce. The whole thing, I was a sucker. Everybody in Cleveland was a sucker. The search committee was a a fucking farce. And, and and that and, and the McDaniels and all of that was a dog and pony show. It was Stefanski from day one.
0: It, you know I, we and that's the reason I, I kind of get mad at, at fans because you know if you know me, I always tell people you, you I got I got fans of, of the show that really like me and they think I'm right most of the time. But I always tell them, listen. Hey, do your own research. Never let somebody tell you something without doing some critical thinking, doing your homework and then, you know, being able to formulate your own opinion. And one the thing that happened was, you know, I was so frustrated with it was when it happened. Fans were, uh, you know, in this denial mode as if it was a real search. And, you know, yeah. they, they wanted to be aligned and they got their real guys. They got the guys they wanted. And I was just like, there was no search. Like, D. Podesta, the moment he said, I wanted Kevin Stefanski a couple years ago, he came out and just basically went after him. Kevin Stefanski wasn't getting any interest from other teams. He wasn't getting interviewed by nobody else. They had that predetermined. And then when they had it predetermined, you know, they go out and bring back Andrew Barry, who was already here. You know, if you loved him so much. And you thought he had so much potential. Why why, why didn't you offer him the general manager position instead of going to get Dorsey? It makes no sense if you it thought he was such a, you were such a great uh, prospect. So now you end up with Dee Podesta who reaches out and gets Barry as the general manager. But how much is Barry going to really do to rock the boat? Because he's indebted to P- Dee Podesta for even bringing him back after the team was 1-31 while he was still here. It makes no sense. So now you got pretty much the guy who's running the show is Deep Podesta. Um, I, I've never seen a guy who's just a consultant get to talk at press conferences, which he was doing. Um, so Right?
2: Now, I mean, what the hell is that? I mean, exactly. So if he's, as they say, if he's going back to San Diego and not going to be, you know, back to his old role, then why was he even speaking? You said
0: it. Why was he even talking? What, you, you, you served on purpose. And... Now, one of the things I'm saying is, you—that's fine and dandy. You got away with a lot of stuff, but here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to to you're not. You can't fool me. I know who you are. <laughs> Everybody else that watches it know you're the real guy in power. So, if the Cleveland Browns are taking L's and they're losing. I'm going directly after Dee Podesta. You oh, can't have it both yeah. ways. You can't say I'm just a consultant and then watch a team lose. Uh, you go one and 31. But at the same time, you're saying I'm leading every single search for general managers, making decisions for the coaching staff. No, you are the de facto president of operations. And when, if, when and if the Browns don't do anything, I know who to come talk to you.
2: Yeah, that that is. You're right. That is the only good part I will take out of the situation is that he got his way. So if it doesn't work, the Podesta era is over here, right? Like he he can be held accountable now, right? He's yep. close enough to this. He needs to be held accountable for this staff. You know, bringing Barry back. Mixed feelings on Barry. I, I feel like he's a good guy, uh, and and uh, seems to have somewhat of a mix of like that analytical side and a mix of the football guy side which is kind of a, a a good thing I think but once again we're looking at you know doing the same thing over again uh that didn't work before I really was hoping to be honest uh G Bush that they would have taken uh that they would have been able to hire George uh, Payton Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So he seemed like the real deal to me.
0: uh, But then he withdrew his name. Uh, You you do know why he did that. I mean, what what guy who is settled has been with an organization forever? He's the assistant GM. Um, He's always been in that role. He has he has job security out the wazoo. Why would you up and root your family and move them? and say, I'm going to go work for the Browns when you saw what the track record with everybody else and what happens to you during the first two two to three years, maybe sometimes even the first year. Yeah. So why would you do that? And two, every guy that went in there and they rolled out the plan of, of what the chain of command was and how things are going to work, everybody rolled their plan out, and Dean Podesta was actually in all of the plans. And any competent person's like, this guy's a dude you just said two years ago, that he doesn't know football, and he has to roll up his sleeves and learn the game. Right, it's crazy, it's nuts. Right. Why? Would, no, 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 solid guy is signing up for that.
2: No, you're right about that, and and that and that proved that proved to be true. You know, McDaniel's Peyton. I mean, you know, that that proved to be proved to be exactly what it was. So, so all this, right? So, so if you would have said on day one. Back on January 2nd, who were the probably the most likely candidates to get the job? Probably would have said Stefanski and Barry. They take 25 days, January 27th, they finally hire their GM, 25 days, and they come up with uh, exactly what we thought it was going to be. So, with that in mind, uh, I bring you to our next step here uh, in all of this, G-Bush, Is we're going to kind of walk through this and hash this out, because a lot of this doesn't jive with me. Uh, so, uh, here is uh, Haslam's, you know, in his alignment presser. Here is his breakdown from what I could pull out of his statements and De Podesta's statements how the responsibilities would lie okay in in this you know once again we're back to head coach reports to haslam gm reports to haslam d podesta reports to haslam i i don't get that at all uh i I haven't been a fan of that before when we did this right uh, I feel like the head coach should either report to the GM or the head coach and GM should report to a president of operations and then on up. And there really should be no third-party guy weighing in equally to your head coach and GM. That should be it, right? Uh, some consultant who with the ear of the owner is just meddling to me. So uh, here we are, though, right? And here we go, uh, G. Bush. Head coach. Uh, he will be in charge of discipline, leadership, play calling, the 46 man roster, and game plan. Uh, the general manager will be in charge of free agency, roster decisions, the 53 man roster in the NFL draft. And Dee Podesta's job is to provide statistics and information to help with decisions. This is what we've pulled from this, right? This is what I pulled from this. So. Uh, does that seem feasible to you at this point? Do you see any problems with that that you can see on the surface? Just, just raw reaction from that. Do do you think D Podesta can just provide statistics and information, uh, and and not get more involved in this when it comes to roster building?
0: Um, I, I don't believe so because when you talk about what happens with roster building, um, analytics is a huge part of a roster we're building so deep yeah. and diving into the numbers and saying okay well we want um we want a linebacker that's very fast we want him to be around you know 220 to 230 and we want him to be a guy who's good in pass coverage because we think it's a passing lead so he may go into a draft knowing that saying okay we need a guy who is uh all of these things, but the number one drafted or number one draftable linebacker on the board is not necessarily the best pass cover, but he has natural instincts. He's dominating against the run. Uh, he, he's, he's a solid tackler, doesn't miss any tackles, but he may not be, he might be a little heavier at 245 or 240. Deep would look at that strictly through his numbers, and I'm not gonna say strictly because people listen and say, oh, that's ridiculous. Nobody would really pass up. Um, a stud for a second or third round linebacker if the, if the top linebacker in, in the draft is available to you
2: no i think but, he i think he does look at it strictly through the numbers I think that's what they believe in 100 percent I think that's part of the problem go ahead
0: if 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 you say all right if it comes down between in a second round with guys that have kind of even grades then he's going to actually look specifically. For a that that pass or pass uh you know saying pass defender at linebacker rather than maybe a balanced run stopper, and you could make a mistake and say yeah I'm gonna take this guy but the guy you you passed on had came from a, a big time school has production mm-hmm. um has great instincts but you're letting the analytics be the the tool that makes the final decision and I think people are crazy if they don't believe that the analytics will be the tiebreaker um, between two different similar prospects. They'll, they're going to go with the analytics part. So, of course, he's going to be in the 53-man roster. And I thought, you know, one of the things I thought listening was, was intriguing is you said the coach is, is is responsible for the 46-man roster. Yeah, according to Haslam. But, but then the GM is responsible for the 53-man roster. Right. So that's a little bit confusing to me because it's like, okay, if I'm in charge of the 43-man roster and I'm, I'm a coach, if the general manager is in charge of the 53 and he thinks that a person in his 53 is better than a person in the 46, who, who do you think is going to get denied at starting? Like how is this any sort of – like how is this a chain of command when you can literally have the general manager – Go to the go right to Haslam and say, look, yeah, I I drafted this guy. I think he should be playing more. D. Bades is like, yeah, I, I do actually think based on the analytics he should be playing more. But Stefanski is a guy who's at practice every day, and he knows the guy that they want to play is no good, or not good, or or, or not where they think he is. So well, that sets up a thing once again where you can have a coach say. I go to the owner and say I'm not going to do that because I see him playing. Right. But the general manager says, "Well, I think he can play based on what, what we're saying. And it goes right back to the infighting. So how's it different?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, ho- according to them, the difference would be that they should be on the same page because they're aligned. Uh, <laughs> you know, but
0: it's funny you can say that now until you start losing.
2: Right, right. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, supposedly, right? Barry and Stefanski have been, you know, Barry is Stefanski's biggest fan, except for his wife, he said. for the pe- Whatever that means. I don't well, we'll, see how know. That,
0: we'll see how that work out. It, it's a hundred it's people that can say a diff- lot of different stuff, but when your job is on the line, you, you, it's human nature. Ain't nobody going to go in the office and say, you know what, Mr. Haslam? Let's just fire all of us because we're so fine. Just get rid of all of us. Get out of here. You know, that's... It's ridiculous. Come on. I'll be right uh, back in that office like Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, yep. or Mike Petten and Ray Farmer. It's the same thing.
2: Uh, I hope not. You know, I think I heard you say something similar to this on your last show. As much as I hate how we got here, we're here. So, you know, I, as a Browns fan, I now, you know, hope for the very, very best from Kevin Stefanski and Barry, I just have such a problem with how we got here. I wanted to go through that with you, get your thoughts on it, and and, and you're right on. And uh, I just, I am concerned that in that in the war room and in free agency, once again, here we're not going to have like football is too much of a people uh, sport, like. It is people, it is, you know, things that cannot be measured by numbers, right, by analytics. There's so much of football that cannot be measured. You can't take account for your opponent's will, for a person's drive, for, you know, a a person's just mental aptitude, right? Football acumen, as Jimmy would say. Instincts. Uh, <laughs> instincts. Everything, right? Like, it's just, you can't measure all that, and, and at the end of the day, they are trying to measure it. Like, I think, don't get me wrong, there's a place for this information, it, but it's it's information to support your decision, and then in the end, you would like to think that, hey, let's give... I. I do not, I would love to give Barry a shot, you know, give him a shot, but I want him to have the final say on the draft picks. I don't want Dee Podesta to have the final say on these picks. According to Haslam, that's the case, but I don't know, I'm, I know I can't trust him any further than I can kick him. So, I. you know what I mean? I, it's just, that's where we're at. Time will tell, but...
0: If, I it, think I think what you got to do
2: it doesn't feel right, man. It Doesn't feel right. It, it, what,
0: what you got to do is, and and I did say something along the the lines of, from my last show. When when you look at it, the only thing that y'all can do, or the Browns fans can do, is you gotta you gotta actually believe in the players and believe in what they're doing and, and believe that you got a um, you know a good enough roster that if they get good enough they can overcome some of this stuff and it goes back to the situation with Baker Mayfield when I watch other elite quarterbacks they do things in spite of coaching you know they do they have a mentality of you know I'm going to get it done because I can just do that and it's just it's kind of like basketball like when you get a player that's so dominant like you know LeBron he doesn't need a coach um he, he, those guys like that don't need coaches they make all the plays they they Uh, facilitate, and and it's no different from a quarterback um, playing in the NFL. You know, you have the ability as a quarterback to be as smart as you want. You can study film to a point where you got Tom Brady that's a coach on the field or Drew Brees where those guys know what you're running and how you're running it. And they have the mentality like, hey, you might have called the wrong play. You might have called it the play I didn't like but every quarterback has the ability to go to the line of scrimmage and audible. Like, so, you know, Peyton Manning that did it the best, you know, he, he would call two, three, four plays out. So if you want to get to where you want to go, it all boils down to if if you got that kind of guy like Baker Mayfield, and you got to hope that he does turn into that guy um, because you see what happened in the super bowl. When you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes who can, you know, will his team to a victory? I still think that Baker Mayfield has the some, some potential, but we're gonna have to see a whole lot more of him before he gets to that point. And I think that's the most um, that's the most important uh, position at this time. Just figure out how you get Baker Mayfield to actually utilize these weapons and to get back to being the accurate that dude we saw first year that he was out here playing.
2: You're absolutely right. How do you get him back there? So, uh, I was going to save this for later, but we'll hit it now. Baker says, uh, G. Bush, that he is done putting his foot in his mouth. Do you believe him?
0: Um, you know, he's going to have some slip-ups, no doubt. Like, that's who he is. You can't change his stripes at this point. There's going to be times where he, he backslides a little bit and says some stuff that he really probably shouldn't say get a little emotional on the field sometimes that he, which he shouldn't do. But overall, I think it's a good step to going where he needs to go. The first step in, uh, you know, getting any um, help is knowing that you need the help and, and actually acknowledging that. And I think he acknowledged that um, when he was on Get Up and he was talking to Rex Ryan. And, you know, he said, you know, Kobe Bryant, he just went out there and played ball. He just went out there and elevated his teammates. And, and I think I should do a lot more of that rather than running out here talking. Um, because to be honest with you, I've never seen a player go from the heights that Baker Mayfield did, like being a savior of Cleveland in his rookie year, to guys genuinely not liking him as a person. Right. Like, I've never seen that. Like, in one year, couple months, he went from the dude to the guy that nobody wants to hang out with because of some of the things that he was doing and his attitude and not admitting that, hey, I had a terrible year and it's because I didn't put the work in. So I think this is the first step of him like really getting back in order, back into the swing of things and actually doing what he needs to do to put himself in that contention as one of the elite quarterbacks. But he got a lot of work to do.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Tomorrow morning, uh, G. Bush, the uh, will be Andrew Barry Presser, 11 a.m. in Berea. Um, I expect them to ask about play calling. Uh, Van Pelt has been named the offensive coordinator. Uh, Do you have thoughts on Van Pelt or Stefanski
0: calling plays? Well, you know, I I, I think one of the things that I, I would like to see um, and I think Van Pelt, I think, um, I think Daryl Ryder or some other the beat reporters have reported that um, they believe that Van Pelt will call the plays. I've always felt that to call the plays in the league and to call offensive plays and be effective, you have to be elite. It's kind of like, you know, giving a ball to like, a, you know, LeBron James or Ben Simmons, guys that are just really big and they actually play point guard or Giannis or or all those guys who who have the ball the most of the time but they're really big physical dudes yeah you have to have a certain skill set you got to have a certain coach that can actually do that and i've seen i've seen nothing uh, of the court, the quarterbacks or excuse me the, the coaches that can do it i mean there's only a couple of people out there you got Peyton um in new orleans you got of course, you got the Andy Reid that's calling his own plays. Um, I think Peterson is still calling his own plays in, uh, in in Philadelphia, but other than that, there ain't really a lot of cats that's calling their plays. So I would prefer first time rookie uh, head coach that yeah, give it to Van Pelt and and move out the way and let him do what he's going to do, and you be you become you can have some say so. You can you know basically implement with your offense that you think that. They should run and then Van Pelt will actually call the plays game day. But I think we're not at a point where we want to see first time rookie head coaches trying to call plays and and having problems with clock management, when to throw the challenge flag, uh, you know, with with penalties, uh, you know, dumb play calls like fourth and 19 draws. We don't need none of that. We need you (laughs) booked.
2: We, we definitely don't need any of that. I I'm, I will have to... I'm going to have to uh, differ in my opinion on this one a little bit, G. Bush. I, I think that... I, I don't know... I, I don't think Van Pelt has ever called plays, though. I, yeah, I, I think... I, I see nothing in his resume of him calling play maybe one year in Buffalo. But... Uh, is that right? I think maybe, but I think, I, 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 I think Stefanski should call his own plays. Go ahead.
0: know. I think, um, he was with, uh, I think he was with the Bengals for a minute. I think he might've been with the, um,
2: yeah, obviously yeah, he, he was, was
0: with the he I was a he quarterback's was, coach. Yeah. Um, I think if you look at it from this perspective, if that's the only thing he has to do, then so be it. Um, I can deal with a person that's a first-time-year play caller because they can actually de- you know, devote the time and really dive into their craft. But yeah. when you're a head coach, you got so many other different things that you're trying to do uh, and worry about that. I think it's just difficult on game day to lock in when you have so many other things to do. So a guy who, who just is only doing that, I have more hope and, and faith that he can do it just by actually – um, being able to lock in, being able to devote his time and adapt but um, by all means he's not a safe bet either. Um, yeah
2: I, I just think that here's my here's my other thought on that real quick. I, I just think that I don't see Van Pelt has no connection to the wide to the offense they're gonna run um, which I thought was a strange choice also a little bit. I like a lot of a lot of the staff that they've put together. Like, I like the O'Shea hire today, right? Um, right. And, uh, of, of course, I thought Callahan was a great hire. Uh, but, yep. But, and I don't even I, – I think Joe Woods is a pretty good hire. But they I just think that I was – this one kind of was a little curious to me. He doesn't have any connection to that offense. He's never run it before, never been a part of it before. So it's all new to him. So I just assumed, and I know that uh, Daryl Ryder reported that he thought Van Pelt was going to call the place. I somebody uh, that close that I was close to said the opposite. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll, maybe we'll find out. Uh, I'm not saying I have, you know, tremendous sources or anything. I just heard the opposite. So well, I mean, we'll find out. Certainly. And it's not—my whole thing is with Stefanski is he's supposed to be this detail-oriented guy that's, like, extremely organized, and what we found out about Freddie Kitchens was that he was not organized at all and really was just flying by the seat of his pants, kind of, right? So, I mean, I just think that he should be able to handle that better than he did and maybe better than Vin Pelt could at least initially we'll see how it goes that's my thought. yeah
0: i think um like you said it's a crapshoot. you know when you, you you never know what you really got until they get in here and start working and so that's you know that's one of my things that i, I kind of came to the conclusion of you know and in the end of the day as a guy or as a man all you can ask for is the opportunity to prove what you you can do so it, you know, I may not have been thrilled about the hire. I may not have been jumping up and, and down for the hire. But, you know, you got to give people an opportunity to show, you know, kind of what they can do. Because just like us and anybody else, you know, sometimes all people really need is an opportunity to come out and, and show that what they can actually roll with. And I think um, that's my approach to it going forward. But like I said before, no one's getting a pass. You know, I, you know, just because you're the newest dude in town you know, all of them is not going to get no pass. And if you come out here and doing what Freddie Kitchens was doing, trust me, we'll be on the radio talking about what the heck are you doing too. So no no reprieves.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And and you said it, that was well said. Yeah. And, uh, absolutely, you know, give them the opportunity and and I hope they do well. Uh, you know, my feeling, you know, we'll let it, I'll let it go at that. And I hope they do really well, obviously, because I want the Browns to do well, but, um, It was a struggle how we got here, and I I wanted to go through that with you tonight, so I'm glad that we did that there. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland podcast. I am Brad Ward. That is G. Bush, the inaugural episode uh, of this podcast. You'll be able to listen to it where all popular podcasts are found and at the Browns Wire at USA Today Sports Media Group tomorrow morning. Um, and, uh, you know, you can catch it, well, like I was saying, we're all popular podcasts are found, so, like, uh, uh, iTunes and Google Play and, uh, uh, what else, uh, we got out there, radio.com, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, all that good stuff. Uh, G. Bush in the house, uh, of the barbershop, uh, Saturday mornings. What time? 8 a.m. to noon? Dang, man, four hours. How do you do it? Uh, oh.
0: not- <laughs> Actually, it'd be truthful. It takes a little stamina to get up there. But, you know, I, I think um, I got a great fan base, great audience. So, you know, even every time I, I get, on, get on the microphone, you know, people just jump up and, and the phone lines light up, man. You know, they don't even know what I'm talking about yet. But, you know, they just, you know, appreciate... Um, you know the interaction and you know i talk i I try to take the most calls out of anybody in the city um because i just believe that that's what sports talk is about is interacting with the fans so you know they really hold me down and support me so four hours don't seem too bad because i'm always you know it's just like i'm talking to old friends every time i get there and the time just flies man
2: that's awesome man that's awesome you do have some awesome fans and uh um, of course, uh, anybody listening to this, of course, go uh, follow uh, Garrett at uh, on Twitter at GBush91. Uh, go check out everything he's doing at YouTube, GBush9501 at YouTube. And uh, always catch The Barbershop on Saturday mornings at 92.3, The Fan. All right, real quick, last Browns uh, segment here, okay? Uh, try to get through this quickly. We've got... Uh, free agents and guys to talk about here, real quickly, okay? Uh, stay, yep. stay or go. Couple thoughts on these guys, okay? Um, yep. So let me let me get here. Uh, I'm going through here. So obviously the biggest one is Joe Schober and the return of Barry may uh, impact this. What are your thoughts on Joe show?
0: I, I think Schober played very well. Um, This season, I think he shored up his tackling a little bit more from the previous year. Um, I I don't know if you um, if Joe Sherboard is an elite linebacker. I I still he leaves a lot to be desired as far as his run game um, and, and, you know, stopping the run and, and, you know, actually uh, hitting the ball carrier and not letting him get forward progress. I think he's more suited for, you know, coverage. He's able to get really deep drops when you run his own. I think he can run with a lot of tight ends, has great awareness in the pass game, and he's a pretty good blitzer, too. So I, I think that all those things are working for him. H- however, I don't know if they're willing to bring him back at an absorbent number. You know, I think linebackers are are now being seen Mm -hmm. as more expendable and almost like running backs. You know, if you got Schobert and you developed him, you know, what what could you do if you got somebody else? Um, I would be in favor of bringing them back just out of the simple fact that um, I want to give the new regime the best opportunity to win football games. And and to do that, you know, I think you need to have some, some sort of stability and saying, okay, we know what Schobert is. We know exactly what we're going to get from him. Are we going to really run, uh, you know, uh, roll the dice with it? But they could say, hey, look, we like Mac Wilson. Um, we're going to give him all those minutes at middle linebacker. And, you know, we'll go, you know, in another direction and try to get another rookie or, or maybe a free agent. But um, I think uh, looking at it, I, I would lean towards keeping him.
2: Yeah, you know, I I want to say keep him. I just have I, I just feel like he's going to get paid. Like you said, he's not. He leaves a little bit to be desired. He's good player. I wouldn't say he's great, uh, but I just feel like he's going to get paid like he's great. Uh, I feel like he will probably get in that fourteen million dollar range, Quan Alexander range, and he's not that kind of a player for me. Uh, so I, I don't want to overpay for him. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, I want, I I like him. I th- think he's a good leader. I think he was great for Mac Wilson this year. I love Mac Wilson. Uh, but they may have to get younger there in, in, in order to afford maybe the more important pieces down the line. Just a thought. Um, go ahead. No, yeah,
0: definitely. I, I think, it all depends on what they want to allocate. Um, if they yes. want to get, you know, short some things up, there's a couple positions I think they may have to fill. So, you know, and, and we got to always keep in mind with these. You got Baker's deal coming up, Miles Garrett deal coming up. Um, you got Chubb Andy, and you also forget that Denzel Ward was in the same draft class as, as um, those guys. And he's going to want paid, too. Yeah, uh, if he continues to, you know, if he has a couple bounce back years from last from last year, he's going to want to get paid, too. And you can't pay everybody. So it, it all depends on who they're targeting.
2: Absolutely. All right. So what what do you do? Uh, I know you pro- did you watch the Kareem Hunt video?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely saw that.
2: All right. So it, it was upsetting. Like he's having some sort of issues. It was very clear to me that he is uh, still struggling. And I I I hate that. And uh, but he's a restricted free agent. How do you handle that if you are uh, the the Browns front office?
0: Man, if I'm the Browns front office, I look at it just like this. Um, I I think for what he is, and for what you know some of his troubles are, I I think, and and what he was dealing with, like I, I think there's such a more relaxed thought process on weed and marijuana. I think it's it's a situation where even the cop, you know, that let him go. Um, it was such a small minuscule amount of, of pot or, 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 weed or whatever he had in, in his bag, allegedly, mm-hmm. um, that they were like, okay, we're not really going to take a look at it, whatever, just do this. So it got a basic traffic ticket. Um, it is a little uh, alarming now. Okay. You know, you're in trouble, um, and you don't want to do anything to continue that cycle. However, i was
2: more alarmed by his tone of voice. Like, he just sounded like wounded, man. And he just, you know, he started crying. And I just, and I get he was scared and all that, but he just sounded like somebody struggling. And, and I, I hated that, you know? Um, uh, go
0: ahead. Sorry. No, I think, um, I think, I think more than that, I think he's a guy who knows that he has strikes against him. Yeah. And I, I think he knows how different he, like he cost himself a lot of money. Uh. I mean, you look at a guy as a rookie having 1300 yards leading the league uh, and rushing a couple years ago. He understands that he probably is never going to make the money that he could have made if he did had a clean slate. And so I think that, that voice, that, that, that voice you heard was panic that, that, despair. Like, man, I I don't want to go back and I'm not trying to be banned again. I'm already giving up a lot of money. So I definitely don't want no problems with this. Um, But I I think if you're the Browns, I I mean, it's no brainer to me. Like, unless he does something obviously crazy over the top, he's definitely coming back next year.
2: Yeah, you tender him, right? You tender him and get him back, right?
0: Yeah, I I need that. We, We had two of the best running backs in the league and hopefully um you know Stefanski can can run them in like Dalvin Cook and run get that run game going to a point where hey we can run play action and use those running backs so no definitely keeping them
2: yeah that's a juggernaut in the making back there if you can kind of sure up the offensive line which brings me to my next guy Greg Robinson uh he gone right
0: man I, yeah get him out of here get <laughs> him up out of here Greg <laughs> Robinson was the most frustrating person to watch last year because even though he graded out pretty well uh, with pro football focus, he he, he had too many middle lapses, too many false starts, always in, in critical crunch time plays, just, you know, just just doing dumb stuff. Like, big play happens for 12 yards, holding oh, Greg Robinson. Uh, uh, you got a nice oh, little hold. Now, on a third and three when you got a first down on Greg Robinson. Oh, it's second and two. Greg Robinson jumps off sides. You know, it's just one of those things where his discipline level isn't there. Some, his footwork isn't there. If they were going to move him to guard, which I think he he's a better guard fit. I don't understand what they're doing by the way, the Browns. He's a mauler. He's a big guy. Yeah. He, move him inside. He should have been playing guard, but I, I you know I I don't know maybe I'm just a little crazy but nah, you know it
2: makes sense to me.
0: I just I, I don't think I don't think he's the answer at tackle. I, I think they need to definitely go about going about getting another one of them, and um, they need to look at the right tackle too because Hubbard to me played probably just a little bit under uh, with with with, with Greg Robinson. He would he played just a few ticks. Above what Greg Robinson was oh, giving man. and that's not good.
2: Totally, totally agree. He he gone he gone. They're both gone. Get him out. That's give me I some new
0: caps. That. Yeah. New
2: fresh. Absolutely. Pick number ten. Please address that in my opinion. But um all right, so that brings me to a couple guys here. Uh well I'm gonna give you another guy that I think is gone. You can tell me what you think. I think Kirksey is gone. Oh
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I, he was on Twitter the other day and said, we need a championship in Cleveland. We need to bring one here. And I was like, um, sorry, to say, sorry to say, my, my G, uh, yeah. you probably ain't going to be here, bro.
2: Yeah. I, I, thanks for the well wishes, but...
0: <laughs> He's just hurt. He's yeah. a decent ball player. He's just hurt too much. Yes,
2: absolutely. Totally agree. So this brings me to a couple guys here, and we'll finish this up on the Browns here. A couple guys that were in the doghouse with... Um, what do you do with the doghouse guys uh, from from Kitchens' doghouse? Kitchens had a nasty doghouse. So, so he had, uh, well, first of all, Demarius Randall. What do you do with Demarius Randall? Uh, what kind of money do you think he'll command? I mean, he had a down year, sort of. I, ha- I mean, a-, a year ago, I would have said I would have been slamming on the table. Pay him. Now, I don't know.
0: What do you think? Man, I'm... I'm... We're agreeing a lot here i I don't I, you know if it was me, I wouldn't bring him back. first of all, he's a safety and um for the production he gave you last year, it just wasn't where it needed to be. um also, you know he had a lot of stuff going on with Freddie Kitchens and stuff and mm-hmm. a bunch of different little stuff that I think kind of snowballed because I thought he thought he was gonna get that midseason. Um, contract contract, like J.C. J. Treader did. Yeah. So when that didn't happen and they didn't really work nothing out, I think it was all down here from Ma- Demarius Randall. And I think that's what you kind of see um, in his antics and, and some of the different things that he was doing, because he was actually looking for the same thing that Treader got, which was that extension. So I think you can get another safety somewhere um, and, and kind of feel that um, when it comes to um was that who's the other person that, that you mentioned when he um it went? And,
2: uh, I didn't say. Yes, oh, Hollywood I was going to
0: say Higgins. Yeah, Hollywood Higgins. Like if it was me, I'm bringing him back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I know that he didn't have the numbers or whatever, but I just think that's a direct reflection on Freddie Kitchens and his incompetence. You know, there, there's no way that you can have a guy who is out here um that's your quarterback's most comfortable target a guy who looked like they were poised for a breakout season this year and he gets in the doghouse out of all the people when you had antonio callaway come into camp out of shape drop multiple footballs and get suspended but he comes right back in the san francisco game and starts yeah and and he ends up having a shoulder a ball pop off his shoulder pad um in that game against san francisco that kind of changed the whole complexion of the game yeah and you had to get rid of him and cut him yep. so it's like i don't think it's hollywood higgins fault that he didn't have the year that we all thought he should have and i want to actually see what he can do in an offense with somebody who supposedly knows what they're doing with offense so i keep him at a reasonable price um i don't know if he's gonna get a really crazy deal on the market. You look at it with Terrell Pryor got offered a couple years ago after he had a thousand yards mm-hmm. uh, for the Browns. So I don't know if he's gonna get you know command that type of money. So it may be economical economical to, to like keep him.
2: I hope so. I'm I'm all about you know hashtag Free Higgins all year. So, but uh, they, we'll see. Uh, you know I was hoping the coaching change would would do him well. Last guy, uh, not a free agent, but a question mark for me uh Olivier
0: Vernon Uh, yeah um Olivier (laughs) Vernon uh, you know if if you listen to the Browns tailgates which I did all year yeah um, Yeah. matter of fact check me out next year you know we'll be doing the tailgate again again me Anthony Lima and uh, Ken Carmen we'll be doing the um, tailgate and one of the things I always said was people who were disappointing was Olivier Vernon. Now, granted, I talk to John Costco pretty much every single week. We get grades from people and they really like Olivier Vernon. They think he's really good overall player. They think he's really solid against the run and they, they like what they see on film. But for me, the eye test doesn't get it done for me. He, right. he, he disappears. I don't really know what he does. He doesn't have a bunch of production. He doesn't even have a bunch of tackles or sacks and sometimes it just looks like he's nowhere to be found. Like we're playing with 10 people instead of 11. Um, I, I, I'm not really big on Olivier Vernon, but at this point I don't know if they're going to be able to do anything else um, as far as bringing another pass rusher in, um, you know, with Miles Garrett. So I think we may be stuck on that one a little bit.
2: Yeah, maybe. You know, that's kind of why I was a little bit upset about the whole Chris Smith uh, dismissal. I liked him as a player. He had a lot going on last year and all that Uh you know, same totally. thing Same thing with a couple other guys there. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I would like to see them upgrade that defensive end. Like you said, though, that, that remains to be seen. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff, G. Bush, on the uh, Browns' potential stay or goes there. Uh, lots of decisions to be made. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they shake out. So uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland podcast. It's that time now as we pivot away from football towards the round ball, and we're going to wrap things up tonight here with some Cavs talk. Got a little uh, Cavs profile uh, intro here. We're going to hit that, and then we're going to get into some, some uh, what you like about the Cavs, what you don't like and some pressing questions here on all eyes on cleveland
1: let's talk about your likes and dislikes um how about your favorite food what would that be oh milk steak hmm. what milk steak i'm not putting milk Just steak put steak Just i'm gonna put, put steak. steak and then don't put steak put milk steak, steak, don't put steak, put milk steak. She'll, she'll know what it is no she won't know what it is she'll charlie know nobody what knows is. what that is no
2: nope. okay all right what's your favorite hobby uh magnets
1: Okay, what? Like making
2: magnets, collecting magnets, playing yeah, with magnets,
1: just magnets. I'm gonna God. put snowboarding. We'll put snowboarding. I don't right? really snowboard. snowboards. All right. What do somebody likes? Uh, ghouls. Son of a bitch! What are you talking about? <sighs> yeah, now? funny little green ghouls. Got- what?
2: Like in movies and cartoons? What? Are, Little
1: green ghouls, buddy. Don't write ghouls. I'm not. I'm no. putting
2: travel. Jesus Christ! What are your dislikes? People's knees. Oh, come on, Bro, dude. Come, you come on. Kid-
1: you know what? We'll just make it all up. We'll make the whole we'll, thing up. We'll I'll dock in a picture. Out of here. We'll
2: make it up. Dude, we're, we're not going to use you. Cover this. your knees up if you're going to be walking. And with that, we are to we're the Cavs. Oh man, what's going on there? Uh, the Cavs uh, portion of the show. Uh, G. Bush is my guest here tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland inaugural episode. The first man I called for sure. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at GBush91 and listen to the barbershop on Saturdays, 8 to noon, 92.3 The Fan. Uh, Cavs, Cavs, Cavs basketball. What is going on with this team? What is there to like about this team, G Bush? Is there anything to like about this team? Um... that's a loaded question, right? Uh,
0: The fact that, you know, the season is almost at the all-star break and the season almost over. So, I I can't really, you know, I'm not stopping the microwave for the Cleveland Cavaliers Um, right now, to be truthful. I I wouldn't even know that there's basketball in this city and basketball is being played because nobody, media – Fans, casual watchers are even remotely interested in looking at the Cavs right now. It, it's just it's just tough, but brand of basketball to even wrap your head around. It, it's not exciting, and you just don't have any person on the squad that you kind of like, oh, man, at least I can hang my hat on that. At least, you know, even when the Cavs were terrible, they had Kyrie Irving, you know, coming off um, rookie of the year, and he, he would have games where – you know, he would come out and, and you know go explode for forty every once in a while, thirty, get hot and do his thing. Now, not so much. Um, you know, got Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, uh, and I just don't see you know the it's levels. Colin Sexton is averaging like eighteen a game, but there's level. Uh, Luka Doncic is is, is out here, tired, uh, and uh, uh, Trey Young is out here killing the game at, at point guard. There's all kind of young dudes out here that yeah. that. It's just awesome at that position, and it just kind of leaves something to be desired um, as far as what the Cavs are hoping to do, especially in the lottery. When you only even got the worst record, you only got about a twelve to fourteen percent chance of even getting the first round pick, or so even the first pick at So it's um, it's kind of it's kind of dark and bleak right now. It
2: is. Uh, it's like I watch them, and I don't feel G. Bush like they're close like it doesn't feel like they're close at all or whether they have like a direction at all. I, I just want to see like some semblance of direction and I don't see any direction. Um, the They came out and said they're not going to trade Kevin Love. What is this? That's insanity to me. I mean, isn't that what they should be doing right now or am I wrong?
0: Uh, it's definitely what they should be trying to do. But the unfortunate part about it is Kevin Love has no suitors. Um no his contract is is pretty much he has 3 years left on his deal, right? Um, and he uh accepted to make uh 31 million in 2021 um, 31 million uh again in uh 21 and 22 and uh 29 million in 22 23. Um so, you know, that's about 91 million uh, reasons or dollars why nobody's is a suitor for for Kevin Love at this point. Not to mention that he's been injury prone throughout his time at Cleveland. And on top of that, um, he's shown even when he's with great players like LeBron and Kyrie that he's, he's probably a third option on a championship team. So, you know, he's more of a floor spacer now. Um, not much of a, you know, rugged back to the basket type guy anymore like he was in Minnesota. So there's very few teams who actually fit the description um, that could use him that he fits in their team. And then not to mention he's a defense liability. But um, and then, you know, B, you know, he has to be a fit. And then plus you have to swallow that amount of, of, of uh, you know, salary. So right now, and the injury problems, right now there's not very many suitors when it comes to Kevin Love, unless he goes on a crazy um, streak down, you know, down after the All Star break where he's getting double doubles and being, you know, dominant. But right as of today, there's no suitors out there like that for him.
2: That that's crazy. Don't wait. Don't you think like Portland could use him? Or um, I mean, there seems like a bunch of teams in the West. To, uh, you know, maybe uh, OKC, I mean, I guess they have Gallinari, it's a little similar, but, I, you know, I just, is it just too much money? And if it's too much money, it's not like he's going to be getting better the next couple of years. So what happens for the next two years? Are they stuck with him through 2020, 2022
0: 23? I think they're at least stuck with him until next year, um, because you, you have to look at it with the free agent draft class that's coming up. Um if you're looking at it um from a perspective of who's available, um you got Anthony Davis, who probably is not going anywhere. Uh Brandon Ingram, um, he's averaging about twenty four point five nine points a game at this point. Yeah. So uh he, he it looks like they're not gonna get rid of him. You got DeMar DeRozan. Um I I like Montrez Harold. I think he's a really good ball player. I don't know if um I don't know if he's worth a crazy deal, but I really like what he brings to the table out there with the Clippers. So that may be something um, that you may look for. Um, I think there's Fred Van Vliet. He's averaging about, you know, 17 a game. Mm -hmm. Um, Got Goran Dragic. um, uh, Andre Drummond is a free agent. Um, Besides that, it ain't Gordon Hayward is a free agent again. Uh, he has a player option. Andre Johnman has a player option. So all these guys here are, are really not guys um, that really are breaking the, you know, the any, making any team some great contender. Um, unless, of course, you got Anthony Davis. So hopefully if all those guys go and there's not much movement and Kevin Love is just the, the last guy, I think some t- contender may say, well, you know, we don't have a, We're not a player in free agency, but what can we be a player in in, um, in, in you know, trades? So in, in at the trade deadline. So hopefully um, that might be how they move him next year is if that free agency pool dries up and there's really no big name free agents. Maybe some team says, hey, he's the best of the rest. He's the best we can do to get our team better.
2: That's a shame. I was hoping they could deal him by Thursday, and then I heard all that, and it just uh, nonsense. You know, it's it's upsetting. You were hoping that to get some assets before this draft because I, I just want to see some direction from from uh, Kobe Altman and company. But uh, then I heard uh, Thompson on the trade block. Would you like to see Tristan dealt?
0: Uh, I think he's he's pretty much one foot out of town already.
2: Right. Um, yeah. I mean, get what you can. Right.
0: Yeah, I don't know if. I actually think he has a lot more trade value than Kevin Love mm-hmm. because his, A, his contract's not um, bigger than his. Um, you know, B, he fits a specific role of a guy who is going to be a menace on the offensive glass. He's going to hustle, he's going to do like the small things. So, that glue type guy like that, he's going to be able to fit in a lot of different teams. You don't really need to run plays for him. You know exactly what you're getting out of Tristan Thompson. So I think he's a little more tradable than Kevin Love at this point. Um, it just boils down to which teams will be interested in him. Uh, if some team is, is a, you know, maybe a player away or a player that that wants to, um, like say, for instance, a Dallas Mavericks team where, you know, you got Luka, you got Przingis, you know, and you throw a Tristan Thompson in there to kind of like solidify you as far as you getting one of those guys. Um, so I think the team like that, Um, could be actually interested in them. Um, I think even a team like the the Celtics could be um, something that, you know, they would be a team that can need. Um, But it all depends on whether or not uh, that team wants to give up certain assets because in return, the Cavs want assets. You know, they want picks. And and it's a hard swallow to just say, hey, um, we're going to give Tristan Thompson all this money or we're going to trade picks for Tristan Thompson yeah, other teams it's gonna be hard so to do, to do that.
2: Yeah, they got to be close. Uh, you're right, Dallas. You know, Dwight Powell went down, but then they got I think they got Willie Cauley Stein, right? So, uh, and he's garbage. But I don't know if uh, they'll they'll come get Thompson or not. I, I'm not. A, I don't think he's a very good player, in my opinion. And then uh, I mean, you're right. The Celtics they, they don't have anybody at center. Enos Cantor and uh, who's mm-hmm. their starter? Uh, what's his name? I forget uh, his name now. Is it Bane? Who? Is it Bane? Bane.
0: think, uh, um...
2: Oh, Aaron, uh, no, he's in, uh, Aaron Baines? Yeah. He, he's in, uh, uh, Philly, I think. Or not Philly, yeah, uh, Phoenix, I think now. Why can't okay. I think of the guy's name in Boston right now? I, I, I'll look it up. Meanwhile, all right. So let me give you this uh, this uh, uh, rundown. Who do you like? Okay, we're you know we're doing this here. Do you like Darius Garland or Colin Sexton better if you had to put your uh, your your uh, your bricks in one of their wagons?
0: Well, I, I just think, man. At this point, it's kind of. I don't want to be difficult, and I don't want to knock Darius Garland or Sexton, but they both have the major flaws. You know, Sexton is you know works really really hard. Um, you know, he's a guy who is are really just a guy that can do a lot of good things, decent except for what we need him to do, which is be a point guard in basketball. Right. So he yeah, he doesn't really have those vision. Uh, he doesn't have an elite. Um, an elite stature or elite size to be a two guard. So and right now basically they're playing him as a two guard or combo guard. Um he he's done a good job shooting threes and he's pretty, you know, good from long range. Um I just don't know if he's elite. Um I, I you know, I think if you go to a contender, I think he's definitely got coming off the bench for a contender. He's not really a starter. Um but he can give you he can score and he finds Every time you watch the game, you don't really think he's doing anything, and you look up, he is like 17 or 18. Um, Granted, sometimes he's not very efficient with it, but he can score. Uh, Darius Garland, to me, is an enigma. He turns the ball over so much. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, He's a little slighter frame. Um, I don't really have a comparison to him. I think he reminds me of like a skinny Kyle Lowry Um, in in terms of – what his game is and how he goes about playing. I just don't know if he's big enough, fast enough, strong enough to ever actually be an elite player. I just don't think it's going to be, and he doesn't shoot it well enough. You know, uh, Luca is, you know, just special, you know, six four, um, definitely skilled at passing, can rebound the ball, shoot, um, and even Trey Young, like guys like that, Trey Young could just flat out score, and he could, and he has great vision.
2: John so, Morant, right now, John,
0: yep, John Morant, Kelsey, yeah, athletic freak. Um, he looks like he's going to be the next star, the next Russell Westbrook, as far as his athleticism at that position. And I just can't find a place to put Darius Garland. I don't know. I, in five years, if you told me he would be out of the league, I would be like, oh, okay. In five years, you, you you said, well, he's gonna be a, a journeyman. I would would not golf at that. scoff at that. I think right now uh, it, it's a little difficult to peg him. If I had to, you know, pick one, I would mm-hmm. say maybe Garland, just because he can pass the ball. I think he can shoot. I think he's more of a prototype a prototype point guard. So I would think his long term. Uh, his long-term viability would be a little better than Colin Sexton, but it's split hairs at this point.
2: Yeah, I fear kind of what you said there. I fear that they are both just a role player, right? And and they can't for the Cavs rebuild to work. Having both those guys end up not being the guy isn't really meshing with what they're trying to do, right? I mean, your your favorite, my favorite guys so far on this team is Kevin, is Porter Jr., right? Uh, Porter Jr. And and Dylan Windler hasn't even played yet. And I, I think he's a good player. But do you think Chetty Osmond is a part of this team if they become a winner in the next five years? Or is that's he just
0: the, a piece? That's the easiest question you asked me all night. Hell no. <laughs> Jetty Jet, Jet, Jet to me, Okay. show me, Zip Zero. Like, Jetty is just a guy. He's definitely a Jag. Uh, he doesn't really do anything uh, great. He doesn't really do anything awesome. And he also is not a guy who is aggressive. And he's not really a guy that can change any sort of He doesn't change the game on any level at any, like, different skill set. So, They give Jetty that $32 million extension, I guess hoping that he's developed some, playing with the national team and doing some stuff. But, I mean, he's definitely a guy that I've been banging on the table to play Porter at three and just go from there. Because Jetty is the guy who's going to give you about eight points a game, 7.8 points a game. And that doesn't matter whether or not you give him 32 minutes or whether you give him 12 minutes like or 16 minutes, his yeah, projection sure. doesn't change. Um, and, and it's just, you know, that's just always a sign of pretty much guys who are uh, not in the league. They're just guys, you know. It doesn't matter how much time you give them. The production does, never goes up. So I think uh, Jetty is definitely not a part of the uh, rotation. I think he's actually a bench player, and it should be playing Porter Jr. at his position.
2: I agree. Uh, so, the, the, here are two questions, two last questions. Basically, you told me there's not not much. There's nothing to like. I mean, and we know that about this team, really, right? Um, and what as a rebuild, is it failing? Or because I feel like it's failing a little.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's kind of hard to say fail. Because they're at the mercy of, of the draft picks. You know, you know, last year they had an opportunity. They had a very high draft pick. They should have um, gotten probably in the top two or three. They end up coming in at five. Um, and it's just out of the, the realm where you can have playmakers. They're that, that really game changers, right? Uh, guys that really can change your franchise and, and really you can build around. They got really unlucky when you when they fell to I believe it's eighth and they had Colin Sext- Sexton and when they got Garland at at, at five uh, I just think it is what it is you it, the rebuild has to be done from the draft and it has to be done um, by you you know getting those picks because at the end of the day we've seen nobody's coming to Cleveland like that nobody's going to come here unless they're trying to grab a quick bag uh you know cash and roll out I'll or out, you know yeah. like you're doing to the their career so just really know you can do uh
2: coach coach beeline uh good is he doing a good job bad job pass fail thoughts
0: you know what i i think he's passing to me like you know i don't want to get into the situation with david black even m- more of uh, a. a, a even more when you think about it. They just don't have no, no ball players. I, I don't care who's coaching. Like, I agree. You know, nobody's going to be able to win with these, this squad as constituted. So, you know, I can't really blame them. You know, you got Jetty Osman and yeah. Tristan Thompson on the floor at the same time. Yeah. Like, who? How, why would you think you're not going to get blown out? Like, but, um, does it, so, but
2: does it make sense to hire a guy like him for this job? It just doesn't. It's a weird fit. Like. Yeah, I, guess, I I don't I mean, he's not going to see the rebuild through, right?
0: I, I just think he's a guy who when you're doing a rebuild, I, I kind of compare him to uh, Paul Silas when, when Paul Silas was with LeBron. Um, you do it to, and get a guy like Beeline because he's a guy who's going to be disciplined. He's all about the details. Mm-hmm. And it's no coincidence that they hired a college coach because. In college, players. yeah, you got college age players, right? You know, yeah. so you know he want, They're trying to get him to do the same things he did in college with starting good behaviors and routines. Because in college, you know, it's all about the coach. It's all about the coach at the end of the day, and it's all about the schemes that they run. And the coaches kind of rule with a very dictatorship type um, personality. Mm-hmm. And so, when you got a young team like this. I think it's good because it it makes them feel like it's an extension of college, so to speak. But if you have veterans, they're not trying to hear that. Like, you know, if you have veterans, and that's why you had a mutiny earlier this year, because the stuff that he's preaching, pro players who have won championships and have rings, they're like, man, if you don't get up out of here with that, like you have (laughs) to You have no clue what this is talking about. So oh, man. you have no choice but to really reboot and bring in guys that are A, fine with their role, and B, are cool with never doing anything if they're a veteran. But if you got veterans that still think they can play or still want to do something in this league or play for a contender, you're going to have trouble with them.
2: Yeah, so I, I guess that leaves me, I'm just at a loss with this team then, you know. Uh, not that I expect them to be good, but like you said, they didn't, you know, they got very unlucky in the draft. So what has to happen here is basically you're saying they have to get lucky and hit that number one guy, right? Cause he's not on That's the it. roster.
0: That's it. It's all about the ping pong balls. Ping pong it's all about balls. getting lucky and, and it, look at New Orleans without with Zion Williamson with Zion Williamson. Right. So you need to know. Those kind of guys change franchises, and then you get people that do want to come there or do entertain the thought of being there. But to get those people, you got to have that guy signed up and ready to go. So, you know, that's the difference between the haves and have-nots. Right now, you know, the haves are getting those number one picks. Those guys are studs, and, you know, they can move a little bit better. But for the Cavs, they've just been unlucky.
2: There it is. That's uh, G. Bush, Garrett Bush. This is All Eyes on Cleveland podcast. Uh, Real quick, uh, the Indians are down around uh, 90, pushing the $80 million payroll. Uh, It's sad, kind of, but Frankie's still here. Uh, Can they contend? Do you see them win 90 games again, or are they just not, I mean... Where, where are you at?
0: Um, I mean, you know, Frank can get him to be um, somewhere in that mix. I mean, they yeah, still have yeah. a really good rotation. right? Um, you, you know, you find guys like uh, Bieber, and you, say you find all these hidden gems. Uh, and, you know, they, they that's the one thing that the, uh, Indians can do is find a diamond in a rough picture that comes from nowhere. So, yeah. They have a strong um, strong pitching rotation. Um, the problem with them, as always, is where are you going to manufacture these runs? And it always rears up to bite them. Um, even when they went to the World Series, they, they couldn't find enough um, enough enough hits, enough runs. And, you know, over the last couple of years, they let Brantley go. And Canassion didn't sign back. Um, looks, looks like they're going to probably let Puig walk, um, you mm-hmm. know, they brought Donaldson in a couple years ago for the playoff run. But it looks like um, they're not going to be picking up anybody soon. So I, I just think in the end, the Indians probably are a second place team in the central. Um, they might teeter totter and try to fight for that wild card. But, you know, I, I don't really expect much from the Indians this year. Um, and, and I just think it's, it's going to be more and more evident as time goes on. It's going to really set in the fans that you you had a really, truly transcendent shortstop that probably is not going to be on the team. And, uh, you know, I think that'll be in the back of most fans' heads when they're watching the games this year. It's
2: really frustrating uh, that he's here still. I mean, they chose not to move him. I'm glad he's here still. But, you know, talked about shopping him around, hot stove. He's here still, then you should be paying uh, to contend, if he's here, you're still in the window, in my opinion. And the fact that they're letting the payroll drop down to 90 million minus or give or take, uh, at this point, they've made one legitimate move in getting Caesar Hernandez. I like that move; it's an upgrade, right at second base over Kibnis. Uh But uh, really, you need another bat in the outfield. Um, and once again, it doesn't look like they're gonna. Pay the money. It's like, why are you scaling back and telling us to enjoy Frankie Lindor? If you want us to enjoy Frankie Lindor for his final year or two in Cleveland, pay the money to contend while he's here. Then take the down years. Then scale back the payroll. I I know it goes in cycles. We're mid-market. I understand. And I know this is a good barley, the best organization in the city. Uh, but, you know, Garrett, I just it seems ass-backwards to scale back now.
0: Yeah, it's disingenuous. You know, I, I've never, you know, they've tried to sell me on that small market thing. And I always bring up the fact that, you know, the Dolans um, have, for $300 million, they bought the Indians. Um, according to Forbes, um, the Indians are worth probably like $980 million right now, almost a billion yeah. dollars. And, you know, I don't know any business that you can have where you can sell that business and then turn around and make reportedly, uh, you know, almost triple what what you, what you bought it for. No investment like banks, stocks, bonds, uh, uh, CDs, uh, mutual fund. None of that's going to get you uh you know a 300 percent return on your investment that just doesn't happen (laughs) so you know when they're crying broke and crying poor i know right it's like you know you're sitting on the asset right here and if you were losing money like that i mean i'm sure there's different tax shelters you can have but you know it's not about that it's just the fact that they, they want to squeeze every dime out of it and they understand that you know they've already tried to preface this years and years and years. And, and some people fall into the trap because they say it so much that they just believe it. But like you said, you had so eloquently pointed out, if Frankie Lindor is, you're not going to sign him back. The most logical idea and reason would be, Hey, let's go out and spend money and be, and be awesome in this two year window. Let's do the Florida Marlins thing where, you know, the Marlins, you know, they said, all right, well, we're not going to be good long term because we can't get anybody to, to probably come to Florida. Mm-hmm. So why not just, you know, spend and splurge and make our, our team competitive? And then when we win, we got to tear it down. But, you know, don't don't say that you you don't have the money to play Frankie and then you're not doing anything to, you know, basically upgrade the team at the same time. Come on, man.
2: You said it, man. You said it. Uh, with that, uh, we will wind it down here on All Eyes on a Cleveland podcast. I must say, G. Bush, you were fantastic all the way through. I am uh, indebted to you, sir. You are uh, a uh, fantastic guest and have entertained uh, wildly. You are uh, one of uh, uh, you know. One of my favorite people uh, in this business. And I, uh, you know, honestly uh, can't say that uh, I would have rather have anybody else on the show with me here. First one. Uh, And uh, make sure you go to Twitter at GBush91. He's working uh, along with the show on a couple documentaries. Stay tuned for that at uh, GBush9501 at YouTube.com always uh pay attention 8 to noon Saturday mornings the barbershop uh on 92.3 the fan he's the host he's a rising star uh in Cleveland and we are uh so gracious uh, to have you tonight sir thank you
0: uh no doubt man no doubt anytime man uh, i want to just salute you and congratulate you on keep grinding I always like to see people independent. I love the, the internet movement, man. Like, there's so many good, solid people out there um, covering the game, doing a lot of different things, and just doing their own thing, trailblazing. So I, I salute any um, self-made guys, guys that are, are, are you know, want to get in the game. And you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just start my own thing. So I salute you, man. And you know what it is. I'm always here for you, man. You need me? Go ahead. put the put, Turn the Clippers on. I'll be here.
2: <laughs> you said it. I, I appreciate it greatly. For my very, very uh, fantastic guest, G. Bush, I am Brad Ward. You have been listening to the very first edition of All Eyes On Cleveland Podcast. And with that, we out.
1: Kind of pro. Plus I've been sipping so this shit is moving kind of slow Just tell my girl to tell a friend that it's time to go Now tell me how you love me You know you are at the top and all the happens right above it We own person, I don't bust back because I shoot first Meet me on the fresh train Yes, I'm in the building You just on the list of guest names And all of my riders do not give a f- X-Games Guns turn you boys into, p- into, p- into Sex Chains and I smoke till I got chest pains And you just know I rep my gang like Jesse James Women are possessive and they wanna possess Wayne I been fly so long I fell asleep on the plane Skinny pants and some Vans Call me Triple A, get my advance in advance Amen, as the world spinning, dance in my hands Life is a beach, I'm just playing in the sand Uh, Wake up and smell a p- You can't see me, but never overlook me. I'm on the paper trail, and ain't no telling where it took me. Yeah, and I ain't a killer, but don't push me. Now tell me how you love me. You know you're at the top, and all the heavens right above it. We own it, your money, motherfucker. If you ain't running with it, running from it, motherfucker. Alright, now somebody show some money in this bar, and I got my bees with me like some honey. And I don't buzz back Because I shoot How do you say what's never said Beautiful black woman I bet that be the better red Limping off tour Cause I made more off my second leg bird, bird, Birdman Jr., 11th grade ball on automatic start I can hand it to Drake I do a quarterback draw Wildcat offense Check the paw prints We in the building in the apartments. Uh. Not, not, come on, be my blood on her Flow so nice, you ain't got to put a rug on her Do it big and let the small fall under that Damn, where you stumbled at? From where they make gumbo at? Hey, got the feet jumping like a jumping jack And you know me, I get on this You have a heart attack Hip-hop, I'm the heart of that Nothing short of that President Carter, Young money Democrat uh, Now tell me how you love it You know you ain't top of the top But don't right about we own up. It's sham money, motherfucker. If you ain't running with it, running from it, motherfucker. All right, now somebody show some money in this And I got my bees with me, like some money in this it. boot. And I got my gun in my boot purse, and I don't bust back. Because